0: Like, yeah. di- I mean, I hope you didn't pay a lot of money to rank on page one for that term. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I see it all the time. And I really I wish that.
1: <WAS stunned> Hello and welcome to episode 34 of Rockstar CMO FM, the M is for marketing, the F is for Well, you decide, Because you're probably asking yourself, does the world need another effing marketing podcast? I'm your host, Ian Truscott, founding editor of Rockstar CMO, your monthly dose of marketing street knowledge. You can find us at rockstarcmo.com or rockstarcmo on Twitter and LinkedIn. You can also find all the past episodes of this show and the show notes at rockstarcmo.com forward slash podcast. This episode was recorded on Friday the 30th of October. I hope you've had a good week, that you are well, keeping safe and staying as sane as you feel you need to be. This week, I dip into the pages of Rockstar CMO and pluck out something I'd like you to take a look at. I chat to Catherine Strachan, founder of content marketing agency CopyHouse. We chat many things content marketing. And I again retire for the weekend in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar, where I find my friend and content marketing guru, Robert Rose. Right, let's get started, shall we? If you're a regular listener, you'll know that as well as this podcast, Rockstar CMO is a monthly digital publication based around a theme each month. This month was about building your brand on rented land and in a vain attempt to be topical, not just with the theme of this month's issue, but also what's in the news. I'm going to pile in on some timely and related news about Quibi. As you've no doubt heard, Quibi, the struggling short-form mobile video startup led by Jeffrey Katzenberg and Meg Whitman, that made such a flourish on the new media dance floor, despite over $1.7 billion in investment, has no one to dance with and has danced its last dance. Right, I'll stop the dancing analogy there. The thing that piqued my interest in keeping with the theme of this month's issue was that it seems that Quibi didn't own the media assets on their platform. According to Variety magazine, and I quote, Actually, Quibi doesn't own any of the big budget premium content for which it has shelled out upwards of $100,000 per minute. The company has seven year licenses on its short form series. After two years, content owners have the right to assemble the shows and distribute them elsewhere. End of quote. So maybe they own the land, but rented what they put on it. And of course, as we know from Bill Gates and countless other blog posts, Content is the king, the queen, the grand poo bar of any digital thing, whether it's our little publication or a $1.7 billion media bet. As an aside, for an excellent discussion on this, I'd recommend the chap I'm going to join in the bar in a bit, as Robert Rose made some great points with his chum Joe Palitzi on the This Old Marketing podcast that I recommend to everybody and I'll link to in the show notes. Anyway, it seems Quibi is a good lesson. Better to own than to rent. And there is plenty more on this topic of leveraging what you rent, what you build and own in this month's issue, which you can find at rockstarcmo.com and click on the latest issue. A side note on this. (laughs) After scripting this segment, I logged into my podcasting platform to record it to find that for a moment it was down, which I thought was ironic. As, of course, I'm ranting about building on rented land on rented land right enough from me i think onto the interview Catherine Strachan is the Managing Director of Copyhouse Limited, a content marketing agency specializing in technology and fintech content. Catherine launched Copyhouse in April 2019 after working in-house at digital agencies and then successfully running a freelance copywriting business. As you will hear in the interview, her copywriting business quickly transformed into a content marketing agency with globally renowned clients, including Klarna, Travelex, Cigna and Lloyds Bank. As the managing director, she oversees the company's daily operations and keeps the team working hard towards their shared goal of creating a world where deep tech isn't scary or confusing. I like that quote, working in tech myself. So let's say hello to Catherine. Welcome to Rockstar CMO FM, Catherine. How are you?
0: I'm good. Yeah, thank you for having me. How are are you? you?
1: I'm very good. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. Um, For people that haven't met you before, tell us a bit about yourself.
0: Sure. Uh, So I'm Catherine Strachan. I'm Managing Director at CopyHouse. CopyHouse is a content marketing agency based in in sunny Edinburgh. Uh, We specialize in content for fintech and technology brands. And how I explain it is that we support content across its, its life cycle. So we can start at the very beginning with content marketing discovery sessions and helping people find their core, core messaging and their customer avatars and their tone of voice. Uh, We then do an SEO strategy um, for websites. So that's keyword research and mapping. And then we do SEO optimized landing pages. Once the website's live, we'll do an editorial strategy and ongoing long form content, which can be everything from personal branding articles to eBooks and white papers. So we really cover the whole spectrum um, and have quite a lot of experience in content marketing, um, specifically for technology and fintech brands.
1: Splendid. All the content. That's always good to hear. I'm Everything to do with words. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. And before you came on, you just mentioned that you're doing some judging for um, for content marketing awards.
0: So yeah.
1: that, that must have been fun.
0: Yeah, I spent today um, judging the content marketing awards, which was really fascinating. I uh, can't say much about it. I'm sworn to secrecy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I know the winners of two categories. I won't say which categories, um, but it will be really exciting to see those results. I think they come out towards the end of November.
1: Mm-hmm. And what got you into content marketing in the first place? What? what uh, why did you form your agency? Why did you get into this position?
0: Yeah, um, well, my passion for writing, I mean, I've always been writing since I was a small child when I would write stories from my dad. And then, you know, as I got older, that translated into an English literature degree and then a master's in modern literature. And you really have to love words to do a master's Mm -hmm. in modern literature. Um, And, you know, during my master's, I was grappling with really complex topics, you know, writing articles on complex series of time and Alice in Wonderland or the psychosocial impacts of modern high rises. So I I developed this experience with really technical subjects. Um, So after leaving, I worked agency side for for a while and then went freelance and very quickly my freelance business uh grew into a two-person agency and then into a seven-person agency where we are today um so it all kind of i mean it can be traced all the way back to when i was three or four and used to write stories for my dad um Mm -hmm. but it's always been a theme of my life uh you know i've always been surrounded by books and words have always been my my thing
1: yeah, nice. I like the way your
0: agency grew from you just doing it as a
1: freelancer as well. It's w- always um, fun. So you've got a, you've got a seven person agency now, and I have to ask everybody now because we're still sadly in the pandemic. In fact, I heard somebody describe it as a damn, Dam damped, <laughs> damn, damnemic. Yes, I can't really say it. And what have um, what have you seen your clients take a different approach to content since uh, we since all this started in March?
0: Yeah. Yes and no. I mean, um, when it first happened, we spent the first week, week or two, really readjusting all of our clients' content strategies. Um, we had a lot of clients during that time pause or stop stop their content. The clients who have paused have since come back. Um, and, you know, we went through this period where it was very... Focused on COVID-related content, and you know now we're kind of getting back to normal in a way, or a new normal, where you know clients don't really want to be talking about COVID anymore. They kind of want to focus on uh, emerging trends and things happening within the industry, which is you know the same as it was before. I think we've been quite lucky that the tech and the fintech sector haven't been absolutely devastated by, by COVID, you know, the impact's been relatively minor. So, you know, of course it's changed a bit, but I wouldn't say, you know, that it's massively changed. Um, It did allow us to focus more on our niche. So one of the things that we did when the pandemic hit was, you know, we knew that we needed to step up our marketing and our messaging and how we did that was focusing even more on, you know, on this technology and fintech space. We had always Mm -hmm. kind of done it, but, we knew that we needed to step up our marketing and we needed to create marketing that was highly effective and very personalized. And the way that we did that was focusing even more on these specialty areas of ours. Um, it's proven quite successful. You know, It's made it easier to attract the right kind of clients. It's uh-huh. made it easier to attract clients who genuinely need our services and see the value in our services. Um, so it's made us a lot stronger in a lot of ways as well.
1: That's good. I mean, that's what a lot of marketers will tell other marketers, isn't it? You need to focus, decide on your niche or niche, and then, and then go for it. I also saw that you've, um, you've written about content marketing as a long term investment. I saw that on LinkedIn. Tell us about the experience you've had with your clients there. Is that something that you've seen a return on?
0: Yeah, I mean, 100%. A really great example actually happened when COVID happened because we had been working with this one client for a few months. Uh, they were they're in fintech, but they were heavily tied to the food and, and beverage um, industry, so they were hit pretty hard, and when they when they were hit hard, you know, they stopped their marketing that where they paused it. They're back now, which is really nice to see, but they paused their marketing. um, And we went into their Google Analytics a couple months after they paused it because we were interested to see, like, what had happened on their website. And, you know, their whole entire website had crashed, massively crashed, because because they were targeting like food and drink you know that was that was who they worked with so you know their website traffic had declined by 70 80% but the only area that hadn't declined where the blogs and long form content. that was the only area on the site that was continuing to pull and continuing to grow despite the pandemic. So you know there was one point where the blogs were the blog page was actually attracting more traffic than the home page, um, which is not something that you see very often. It's a very good example of how content marketing kind of snowballs and continues to grow yeah, long yeah. after an investment. So I often explain this to people, Um, you know, it's like a snowball. You make the snowball and you push it down the hill. And as you push it down the hill, it builds momentum and it goes and it goes and it goes and it goes. So, yeah, you make that initial effort at first when you actually make the snowball. But once you send it down the hill, um, you know, you'll continue to see results for three years to come, you know, we have clients who have been working on this for a really long time. And some of the articles we wrote in the really early days are still continuing to get, you know, really high monthly search volumes, are still Mm -hmm. continuing to get traffic, especially when you, you know, make sure that your long form article is optimized for SEO. So if you're ranking on page one for one of those search terms and you continue to rank on page one, then you're going to continue to get that traffic, Um, you know, so, um, but I'm also not just saying, you know, do it and then one and done, you know, yeah. content marketing, good content marketing is about sustained continual effort to drive that traffic. So, you know, it's not as simple as you make one, one article and then you don't have to think about it anymore. <laughs> um, yeah. But it is as simple that, you know, though that investment that you make will continue to drive results long into the future. Um, but to drive results, you know, you need sustained, continued long term investment.
1: And I think that's interesting what you were saying about how um, content masking maintains that engagement with the client even when the commercial side of it dips. So I think in your example there, wasn't it, that the the the, the customer still wanted to stay in touch with the brand, but they weren't transacting with them. So the blog was the best place to be.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's all about, you know, educating your audience and teaching yeah. them a better a better view of the world so you know in fintech that's teaching people how to make better financial decisions with their money um yeah. you know so it a lot of content is all about the educational value and building those relationships and nurturing those relationships until it becomes so obvious that you know why would they go anywhere else for with their purchase yeah yeah it's being useful right yeah. Yeah. I mean, and all good content should, uh, to the point that it's actually built into Google's algorithm when it comes to SEO, that content needs to have a beneficial purpose. So it needs to help people <laughs> and that's not just try to sell to them. And
1: yeah, so you're saying that's in the, in the Google algorithm now.
0: Yeah. Well, it's one of the determining factors for quality content is whether or not it has a beneficial purpose.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, one of the things we were chatting about before um, we decided to do this podcast together is uh, we were chatting about um, the theme for this month's Rockstar CMO, although it wasn't as the theme, but it was about building on rented land. Um, and we were talking about how um, brands need to consider this. Um, and we, we were ch- chatting about that. And we were also chatting about building digital publications as a known property. Is that something you're recommending to clients? That, what approach do you, do you advise they take?
0: Yeah. I mean, so we tend to come from this from an SEO angle. So from an SEO angle, you know, it is generally better to have the content on your own site because then you can rank for those keywords on your own website. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's also definitely a place in the world for backlinks, um, which you get through guest posts and through, through rented land, essentially. Um, I mean, backlinks are SEO gold dust in a way, you know, they're very hard to get from very credible sources. Mm -hmm. Um, So most of the, you know, my, my, suggestion for clients would be to do a mixture of both. Mm -hmm. Um, What you ultimately decide on will depend on how much of an audience you already have. So if you're a startup and you're just getting started and you have no online audience, you know, you might find that that balance is more tipped towards a rented land because that's going to allow you to essentially hijack an audience and Mm -hmm. allow you to get in front of the right publication you know it's really important though that when you think about rented land that you think about who their audience is and whether or not their audience aligns with your audience so you still want to be sending you know very customer targeted messages out into the world so you don't want to just go Everywhere or anywhere you can, you want to think about that publication and find a publication that is already talking to your audience. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, get in there by doing guest posts or, you know, adding your expertise to the conversation, um, but to arguably rented audience Um, and then ultimately driving them back to your website. As you get more established, you know, you will naturally attract people to your site, especially if you've been doing content marketing and they've come to know you as a thought leader. And then, you know, once you start to build your own audience, it might then become the case that people are coming to you for rented land. You know, they're coming to you for collaboration because you have an audience that people then want. So kind of tips in your favor, the more experienced you get, Mm-hmm. Um And the more traction you get online and the more you get known in your industry um for your area of expertise
1: right, right, and then you were talking there about um being useful, and you mentioned the word research is that something you help your clients with where Where do you think people need to get that kind of research, understand who their audience is, and what it is that they can share that's actually genuinely useful rather than yeah. just their point of view?
0: Well, normally, you know, where we start is we start with a full day content marketing discovery session. And as part of that session, you know, we spend the first half of the day talking about customer avatars and, you know, really driving into them. So it's not just like surface level. Mm -hmm. Oh, he's a 45 year old guy. He lives in edinburgh or you know whatever it's not that surface level it's Mm -hmm. deeper and looking at like the psychological elements that are impacting these people's decision-making processes so what's keeping them up at night what are they worried about? What's the worst case scenario if this concern that they have comes through comes okay. true? What's their dream solution? You know what what would make their life a thousand times better? Um, and then how do you need to teach them about this dream solution or how to solve this problem? So that then all the content leads back to their pain points. So you're leading back to things that they're worried about that they're googling at 2 a.m. You know, desperate right. for advice on. You're leading back to you know things that where they struggle to understand. So, you know, if your target audience is say perhaps a business owner who doesn't have a great understanding of finances and their finances really stress them out, then your perfect content angle is to create easy to understand articles on educating them on their finances so it's easy for them to make To manage it, it solves their pain point, um, you know, and kind of positions you as a place where they can go when they need help and advice and support. And almost every single product or service can be positioned as something that solves somebody's Mm. pain points and their problems.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always always about the pain, isn't it, when you're, <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. sometimes when you're marketing. Well,
0: I mean, I say that, you know, so it's a difference between a vitamin and a pain and a headache relief. Um, if you don't harness those pain points, you become a vitamin. It's something that they can do later, that they can do, yeah. you know, next quarter, next year. It's not essential. They don't need to do it today. Right. When you harness those pain points, you become a headache reliever. So they need to do it right this second. They can't wait. They can't wait for the next budget review. They can't wait until the next paycheck. They have to have it right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And that makes your content so much more effective.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. It's about pain and pleasure, but unfortunately, pain is what drives people's behavior, isn't it? It's always mm-hmm. a thing that that they tell salespeople is, is that dry, driving of pain um, and then understanding the pain. Uh, I've heard um, on this podcast and, and through Rockstar CMO, I've heard a key word from the whole of this pandemic, and that is empathy. And that sort of um, – we're talking about um, kind of delivering pain relief, but have you also seen like a shift to – a bit more empathy in some of the content you're needing to create?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I I would say that our content has always been empathetic because (laughs) we've always been focused on the customer. Um, But I mean, even more, it's even more essential now or, you know, during the early days of the pandemic, like nobody wanted to be sold to, Mm -hmm. but brands still, you know, needed to continue their marketing because rather than a place to buy something, they were the place that was going to, guide their customers through this really scary, really traumatic, really turmoil filled period. So, you know, it it's always kind of been more you've always kind of looked more towards the empathetic, more helping view. But during the very early days of the pandemic, that took front and center, while all the promotional stuff kind of took a back burner. We've now, I now think that we've kind of gotten more to a position where we can do a bit more promotional stuff again. It's okay to do cold outreach. It's okay to, you know, do a bit more salesy promotional stuff. Um, But, I mean, it's always about being empathetic. Who wants to buy from somebody who doesn't doesn't care give a shit about you <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: that's true that's true uh, no that's a good point point. and then and finally I mean, i'm just conscious of the time um i'm going to come to we have a regular feature called the rockstar cmo swimming pool which is our portal to marketing hell where we chuck all the bs snake hole, and annoying practices that we see in marketing you know this craft we love but <laughs> <laughs> sometimes annoys us what would you chuck in our rockstar cmo swimming pool
0: Yeah, well, I think the thing that really pisses me off is how closed doors SEO can be. Because if you don't have access to a paid SEO tool, then you can't get the data. So you can't understand what's going on in your SEO strategy. So we see it all the time where a client, before they've come to work with us, will work with an SEO agency. The SEO agency will give them a bunch of rubbish and they'll come to us and we'll check it in some rush and we'll go, what the hell is this? Um, We see it all the time. People don't have an understanding of SEO because They're essentially locked out from it if they don't want to pay, you know, a thousand pounds a year for a SEMrush tool. They're very expensive tools, so not everybody can afford to do that, which I totally Mm -hmm. understand, especially if SEO isn't your primary focus. It absolutely drives me nuts because I really believe in a fair and transparent world where, you know, everybody has access to this information, Mm. this data. So, you know, we not only do a lot of educational stuff with our clients, but we also provide them with all the information. So they know what the search volumes are for that term or, and they know what the keyword difficulties is. I hate it when like, you know, you'll see a brand, a brand will come to us and they'll be like, we rank on page one for this term. We'll look into it. And they like that term has like 10, 10 searches a month. I mean, it has like almost no traffic or like, i mean i hope you didn't pay a lot of money to rank on page one for that term um, <laughs> yeah i see it all the time and i really i wish that like seo was more accessible to people mm-hmm. because i hate when things are closed off or when they're not you know when things aren't accessible and fair
1: mm. and would you put that on the onus of of the search engine providers that they need to be a bit more transparent?
0: Yeah. I mean, so Google does have a tool, but that tool only provides relevant data if you are doing PPC and are paying mm. money to Google. Uh-huh. So there's no free, free tools. Um, I mean, Uber suggests is probably the best free tool on the market. Um, but it has its limitations. You know, you can only do so many searches before you're before mm. you're essentially kicked out of it. Um, so yes, but I also think it's on the SEO agency side as well that, you know, if you have a client who's, Paying you to do an SEO strategy, you need to give them like all of the data. Right, right. You need to show them, you know, all of the key metrics that are important. Um, You know, you don't need to overwhelm them with pages and pages and pages of. Mm-hmm. Of data, but you do need to help them understand the process and help them guide them through it. Not all SEO agencies do this. Let me just point out uh, before, <laughs> before I get a bunch of hate mail, uh, okay. but some definitely do where they don't share all the information with the clients. They either think the client can't understand it or they think that the client doesn't care. I think as your job, your job as an agency is supposed to educate your clients and to make sure that they care, especially if they're paying you for something.
1: Mm, No, that's a good point. So we're going to chuck the hiding SEO detail into the Rockstar swimming pool then. Yes, that sounds good. So thank you very much, Catherine, for your time. And when our listeners spin the dial on the interwebs, where will they find you?
0: Yeah. So, um, you can find me at copy houses website, which is www.copy, C O P Y H O U S E Or you can follow me on LinkedIn. Um, I've got a pretty active LinkedIn profile. If you're just looking to learn a little bit more, mm-hmm. um, more than happy for you to reach out to me and, you know, schedule a coffee and we can have a chat about content marketing and SEO.
1: Splendid. That sounds perfect. And um, I'll include a link to all those things in the show notes. Thank you very much, Catherine. I look forward to speaking to you again.
0: Thank you. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye.
1: Bye. Thank you, Catherine. Some good points on the dark arts of SEO there. I will, of course, include a link to her website, LinkedIn profile, and the CopyHouse website in the show notes right it's friday evening here at the rockstar cmo penthouse here in london time to round off the week with a cocktail and the virtual rockstar cmo bar with my friend and content marketing guru robert rose Good evening, Robert. What are you drinking?
2: Oh, hello, my friend. It's always nice to, uh, to see you here in the bar. Um, well, you know, it, it is a weird, weird time here in my lovely country. Mm-hmm. Um, so this week's cocktail is really simple, and we just call it the karma. <laughs> it's <laughs> just as simple as that. Um, I've seen the good. And I've seen the bad, mm-hmm. uh, and um, uh, and so it's karma. Uh, it's just tequila, a really really wow. nice um, anejo that I've been drinking um, called Grand Mayan. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a, that's the, the brand name, um, and it's a beautiful, wonderful uh, extra anejo, I should say, and just a little bit of a dash of salt for luck. So nice. that's my that's my karma drink.
1: Nice, and <laughs> and. Uh, uh, okay, and then I um, oh, will. Well, I'll, um, I'll start. Well, I guess there's going to be a story behind it, but I, I better make myself some karma as well. So, as yeah. you can imagine, and as uh, our wonderful friend Dennis has tried to promote on Twitter, I am nearly going to be sponsored by Hendrix. So here's some Hendrix, and uh, I think somebody's made a comment about they like that sound too. So a little bit of Hendrix, uh, gin of course, and then you said yep, salt. Of course. And we, all, we
2: yeah I did yeah I did use salt and and you you might have some liquid form of that I suppose.
1: yeah I do If I could get this open there you go uh, it's uh, it's fever tree cucumber tonics I I'm I'm, I'm I'm getting with you there Robert there's some there's some flavors in this yeah here we go lovely jumpy let me give that a sip mm that is some good karma,
2: yeah? There you go. Yeah, See, I That's like good that. karma. I like that. that. will and, come back to you. <laughs> and why,
1: why, why do you need some good karma, Robert Rose?
2: Well, you know, <laughs> I mean, we are days away, uh, when this will air, we <laughs> yes. are audience from, uh, Certainly, the biggest election in my lifetime, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and um, uh, the, or the most impactful or meaningful, or you know whatever, yeah. whatever adjective you'd like to bring to it. Yeah, uh, you know. So, I just think it's going to be, you know, it's everybody here is on pins and needles in one way or the other, right? You know, and yeah. you know, so I think everybody is hoping for calm and 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 you know which is a weird thing for an american to say with it mm. regarding an election is that we're yeah. hoping for calm and, and um you know it's one of those things where uh i i'm i'm just hopeful that karma um prevails
1: yeah okay yeah and um yeah there's not much um there's not much fun in the end of that apart from the fact that i'm, I'm drinking gin that i forgot to put ice in so maybe that tells us something about there we go.
2: Well, <laughs> well, nice well. In that. the <laughs> martini. Just have a martini there—a very lightly diffused martini.
1: No, I've got—I've got to stick with the ice as well. Uh, otherwise, we'll have people complain. They'll be like, "Oh, Ian, you forgot your ice." You know. Uh,
2: yeah, that's right. You
1: know how you know how our listener likes it that way. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, um, I wonder where you're going to transport us. Uh, today with this thought of karma where 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 shall we go
2: you know i here's the thing anywhere but here you know mm-hmm. what, what is what, mm-hmm. so that's probably my my first reaction uh, you know i think um given the state of the world um and what's going on in it right now i would probably opt us to transport out as far away i, I was thinking of the the furthest away from both of us and i think Auckland, New Zealand sounds. Great. Oh wow, yeah, you know, and yeah. and finding, you know, it's, uh, you know, it, it is definitely getting to be warm in summertime there. Yeah. So, um, I am uh, I'm I'm thankful that we 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 could go there, sit on a beach. and not think about everything that's having happening in the northern hemisphere for a
1: while yeah yeah and and you've actually picked a location i've been to it's it's wonderful oh you have yeah
2: yeah i'm Uh, I'm absolutely jealous yeah
1: um but also um if you tour the country it's just a beautiful country and they've got all the volcanic stuff there aurora and all that stuff it's it's well worth a tour around as well i I think Uh, it's,
2: it's it's on my bucket list for yeah, sure I yeah. absolutely it's go. it's
1: definitely there. that that is a first somewhere i've actually been to so that's amazing <laughs> so, yeah. so um so we're so uh, we are um c- completely social distancing ourselves from the western world as far as we possibly can uh for the next week or so um where and and um obviously because we're polite young men we don't talk about politics Uh, what would we be talking about over these these wonderful drinks
2: well you know it's a related topic i think Mm -hmm. uh, which is something that has come up you know well let's call it over certainly over the last few months Mm -hmm. um, a couple of times that i've i've been thinking about with uh with clients which is you know when is the right time Mm. uh, for things and you know i was having this discussion with uh, a client um, and she's the head of content uh, at a let's call it a mid-sized consulting firm services firm, Mm -hmm. professional services firm and she told me that her plans, that she was going to launch this new content team and center of excellence and all of that uh, they were launching it in support of this rebrand that the consulting firm was doing. Mm-hmm. Not much of it based on trying to figure out what you know, 2020 is all about and all of that. And the, the new team was going to support the purpose-driven mission and scale the thought leadership content, all the things that you would normally think yeah. of there. And <clears throat> she shared that it was being put on hold. And I asked why. And she said, well, because the rebranding strategy is in this suspended state right now. They haven't made a decision on it. And she said that, you know, the brand strategy is the feeling was anyway, that the brand strategy should be set before they started the content strategy. And I was like, "Eh, I'm Hmm. not sure about that. And we started to talk about that. And and what it reminds me of is, is that we are easy to convince ourselves that we should only change after the storm has blown over, right? Some, some storm that we've got on the horizon. Maybe it's a big election, maybe it's Hmm. pandemic, maybe it's whatever, you know, we thought we think to ourselves, well, once things blows over, then I'll have clarity. Then I'll have, Mm -hmm. you know, I'll have, you know, the ability to see straight and understand what things should be. And the rationale in the, you know, from the consulting firm was we don't know what kind of content we're going to create until they figure out the brand strategy. Therefore the content strategy can't be finalized until the brand strategy is. And what I've come to realize is that quite frankly, content strategy, 80 to 90% of content strategy has nothing to do with content. Um, It it is all about how do we scale and manage it efficiently, activate it effectively, measure it, um, and all of the underlying things and collaborative things that we have to do as a business. What we actually say is pretty immaterial, actually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You You know, we're all creative and the you know, there are creative pockets in the business and we can hire creative people to help us out and you know what we actually say is much less important than having the institutional muscle to be able to say it consistently effectively at scale be able to measure it be able to do all those things and you need not wait for that right yeah. and you shouldn't wait for that yeah. and you know, when you start thinking about that storm mm-hmm. you know, and what you're gonna shout into it, right? Yeah. You know, and oh we're gonna wait because of the storm, we don't want to shout into the storm. Well, yeah, you know, if you if you actually have much better communication infrastructure, you may not have to shout that much. Yeah,
1: I'm 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 grinning ear to ear on that because I'm actually working with a client in a very similar position, apart from not pausing, they're actually going ahead with all of this. But the majority of the work that I'm doing is indeed not about the content and the words it is about the process and making and creating a structure for for doing that, for being the platform for for absolutely doing that, but I still think. it was making me laugh when you were saying it because I still think you sort of got to say it with a whisper because it's the words that people actually care about and it's the message that people care about um when you're sort of saying to me well you know I spend 90 percent of my time actually just getting the structure right it's like oh (laughs) you know what I mean
2: yeah I mean it's you know it's it's funny it's it's like that I, I, I use this metaphor all the time I'm like yeah you know I mean, you don't walk around the office much these days, but, you know, when you are in the office, mm-hmm. right, yeah. you know, you walk around the office with a bunch of Excel spreadsheets <laughs> and, you know, and sort of process diagrams and yeah. try and get a meeting together from, you know, every other department to talk about the process, the mm-hmm. measurement and the data yeah. around making a content strategy more effective. And, yeah. you know, you'll be in a meeting of
1: you know, <laughs> well. Help, yeah. you, know? Yeah. Yeah.
2: you know, but walk around with the, comps to the new design of the website or you know the pretty pictures that we're going to use on the the new posters and now all of a sudden everybody wants to have
1: absolutely yeah absolutely you're the most popular person in the office so what do you um so with this particular um client and um what advice are you giving people that are that are thinking of pausing and and haven't really appreciated that you know that so much of this work happens, you know, like it's like an iceberg, isn't it, it happens under the waterline that they should actually be they should actually be committed to that and investing in that
2: Yeah. You know it's it's it, you can't really convince someone <laughs> of it other than to illustrate you know what happens when it's not there. Right. Yeah. It's, you know yeah. You have to almost demonstrate the. It almost has to break before you mm-hmm. can demonstrate its value. It, yeah. it's what I, you know, it's what I find it's almost like you know one of those things where, you know, when you're well, you've got a kid, and, yeah, and you know, you know, when you're teaching your kid, you know, the importance of maintenance of a car, you know. They, all they know is is that the light comes on. They don't really care, right? Yeah, they, you know, they yeah. don't, they don't, they don't care. It's not until the car breaks down that they un, they understand that when the light goes on, that's when you take action. <laughs>
1: yeah, 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 oh yeah, absolutely. As a as a person, when I was a young man, uh, my car ran uh, had no oil in it, and it, of course the engine ceased. <laughs> but like right, exactly. just like that example, I completely ignored the light. So yeah, you are right. Yeah, so we just got to wait for. um So you are your uh, friend will have to wait until the engine seizes until until she can convince them that she should have done something
0: well it's the
2: classic thing that you know that yeah. what ends up happening is is that you know at some point someone will lose patience and they'll start creating the brand again right and yeah. they'll you know so they will be woefully late when the brand launches mm-hmm. and everybody will go well you know that's just the creative process you know and you yeah. just you know you 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 get it when it comes and then everybody's going to go but, you know, okay, now content strategy, we we know that you had in the original product plan eight weeks to put your stuff together. Yeah. Well, now you have one. Right? You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because we're trying to squinch down the timeline because the brand was so late and yeah. everybody's like, you know, tearing their hair out yeah. because, you know, it gets pushed to the end. This And by the way, that carries through mm-hmm. until it, the engine does actually seize. You know, what we see mm-hmm. so often with clients is the reason that they're, Putting the brakes and trying to rebuild a content strategy is because content becomes the last thing that gets done before anything, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's like, you know, the product launch happened, and the brand yeah. of that product got done, and then the yeah. strategy of communication got done, and then the campaigns got done, yeah. and then all of a sudden they went to the content team and said, all right, all this is ready to go. You're already late with the content you need yeah. to create.
1: So, yeah. was not there, um, uh, years ago, I don't know if it's still there, but there was a blog called Insert Content Here it was yeah it was, all, it was all about that very problem that we all face um anybody that builds a digital presence isn't it it's a, it's, it's Laura Mipsum up until about a week before it goes live
2: that's right yeah that's exactly <laughs> yeah. right yeah. yeah we see it all the time
1: yeah. yeah yeah no that's excellent so that's an excellent thought then Robert so we what we need to do so the basic thought there is that we've got to crack on isn't it uh not wait for the storm but to be prepared for when the storm ends
2: that's right. You know, and it's, and it's basically preparing yourself for any storm. You yeah. know what I mean? Because yeah, there yeah. will always be a new one. And, and, yeah. and so, you know, the, you know, there's that famous Chinese saying, which is, you know, the, the, the best time to plant a tree was a hundred years ago. Yeah, and the yeah. Best time is today. Right. Yeah, It's yeah. like, you know, it's like, get to plant some trees yeah yeah
1: and i hope it goes well with your chump that that uh, that she's allowed to plant the tree that she needs or when that brand strategy finally happens um so have you written about this before robert
2: uh you know i am writing a, a, around this mm-hmm. idea yeah those you know, if, um you know, so if anybody hits the hits the blog these days yeah. they'll they'll see some they'll see lots of content around this topic i'm I'm, uh, I'm I'm relatively prolific when it comes to saying let's, let's start this content strategy stuff now.
1: Yeah. and where can people find your blog?
2: Oh, well, you're very kind. It's <laughs> uh, the, the easiest place to find me is uh, on the website, which of course yeah. is contentadvisory.net. Right,
1: and when people spend the dial on the interwebs, they'll find you aware of it.
2: Uh, well, they'll find me, uh, a lot of places. Um, I'm a little, uh, annoying in my presence, uh, under my name, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, on social media, Robert underscore Rose on yeah. Twitter and LinkedIn, you know, still has clunky URL type things. So you just,
1: <laughs> just, t- just look <laughs> you up and I'll include links to you as I always do every week in the show notes. Thank you very much for that. And will I see you in the bar next week?
2: I have a feeling the answer to that is yes. Well, and good luck next
1: week with whichever way you're going with this. Oh, I think I you. know. yeah, well, we'll,
2: we'll find out next week whether we're, we're whether we're just going to drink and yeah. not talk about marketing until we fall under the table.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, a best of luck with your karma. I'm I'm sure that the tequila will ease whatever pain it is that you you're end you. suffering. <laughs> Cheers, mate. I'll see you next week. Thank you, Robert. And uh, thank you to friend of the show, Dennis Shaw, for tweeting about Hendrix Gin. I still haven't heard from them, mate. Maybe I need to switch brands. So that's a wrap on episode 34 of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. Thanks again to Catherine for the conversation, to Robert for the inspiring cocktail, and to Quibby for the lesson learned. But most of all, thank you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox, selecting our track and jiving along with us. Hope you enjoyed the show. If you like my guests, please give them a mention, click their links, follow them and take a look at their work. I really appreciate their time. I will, of course, include all their links in the show notes at rockstarcmo.com forward slash podcast, where you can also find all our previous episodes. Does the world need another effing marketing podcast? I would love to know. What do you think? Drop us some feedback, a review, subscribe, share, or just keep listening. I'm glad you're here. Next week, I again use this podcast as an excuse to grab a conversation with someone I found interesting, and I chat to the CEO of Dynamic Web, Christian Beer. And we'll chat about e-commerce and what he, as a CEO, looks for in a marketer. And you heard the man, I will again find Robert Rose in our virtual bar. Until then, I've been your host, Ian Truscott, founding editor of rockstarcmo.com, and I hope you'll again join us next week here at Rockstar CMO FM.
2: You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Steve Turney hosts a great podcast geared toward mental health marketers called The Boost. or search for The Boost wherever you get your podcasts. You heard him. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.